Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes, and today we're continuing through the book of James, the book of James. And before we get started, I just want to remind you that if you should feel so led, you can support the show either through a one-time gift of, uh, or through being a cross-bearer. The one-time gift is starts, I believe, at like $5. It's through buymeacoffee.com. The link is in uh, through uh, on the show uh, page, whether it be Spotify, etc., and a monthly uh, membership, a monthly supporter uh, is seven dollars a month, and all this does is allows me to continue using a paid podcast host option, so that the episodes are permanent that they don't have a 90-day limit, and that I have enough time to do enough episodes because they charge you per minute, that I have enough time to do enough episodes in a month to where it's actually worth it. And so that's where the money goes. Uh, again, if you feel led to, awesome. If not, awesome. We're going to keep doing the show until we can't no more. So anyways, James chapter 4 Picking up in verse 13, right where we left off last time, uh, we were together. And uh, James 4, 13 through 17, I want to uh, read it now. It says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend the year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, or because of this, remember the word therefore means because of this or for this reason. It's a connecting word. To whom who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. I want to preach to you on this thought that James is driving here this morning. Planning wisely. Planning wisely. And as I begin to prepare this message, one of the most frightening verses in the Bible comes to my mind. And it speaks of the people of Israel who are under the judgment of God. It's written by the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 8. And it, it speaks of those that they, they had not made uh, uh, spiritual preparations, if you will. It says Jeremiah 8.20, The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. You see, there's a harvest coming. There's an end coming to the world, and there's an end coming to your life. And whichever one comes first, either way, it ends. The point is this, that we need to plan wisely. We need to plan and prepare for spiritual matters above and beyond and taking priority over the plans and the preparations we make for physical matters. James is warning his readers about making plans for the future. We will see that... He doesn't condemn planning in and of itself, but he warns of the folly of foolish planning. So we want to examine ourselves in light of this passage and ask ourselves a question, am I planning 
wisely. Now, the first thing we draw from verses 13 through 14 is simply this. We do not determine our destiny. Continuing his warning against the sinfulness of human pride, James, write, James writes, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. I once again remind you of the audience to which James is speaking, the Jews in the ancient world. They were master traders, and they lived in a time of new cities being founded and established, and this often gave a new economic opportunity uh, to traveling traders, uh, as most, maybe not most, but many of the Jews were. And so often these individuals would go into a city that had just been established, uh, lay a framework, start a business, make the money, and then get out of Dodge and return home. And now immediately you might, I believe it was Kramer that would always say, was well, there anything really wrong with that? I mean, doesn't God command us to be hardworking and provide for our families? He most certainly does. In fact, Paul said a man that does not provide for his own is worse than an infidel, that is, an unbeliever. However, James is not speaking against the action of planning, preparing, and working, and making money. That, that's not, if that's what you get from this, you're, you're, you're not really considering the context, and you're just looking at the surface. What he's getting at is the prideful motivation or the attitude behind the action. You see, a man may look at a map and draw up plans, fully trusting in himself, and become under the illusion of control. James warns, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. You can make these plans, but don't, don't boast in your heart that you'll do this, and you'll do that, and you'll get this, and you'll get that, because the truth of the matter is that unless God's will uh, is for you to do such, you may not live to see another sunrise, much less another dollar. It can leave you like that. James warns of the uncertainty of life. In the book of Proverbs, we find this warning, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Ultimately, we are not in control of our destiny. God is. My mind goes back to December 6, 1941. It was a Saturday night at the Naval Station at Pearl Harbor. We can imagine sailors and other personnel going through their normal routine. And as somebody like myself who served in the Navy, I, I can picture it quite well. The watch turns over. The master at arms are standing on post, smoking cigarettes, talking, discussing what they're going to do on leave. The boatswain's mates are probably out back somewhere having a drink or fist fighting. I mean... <laughs> That's, uh, I can imagine it quite well, quite well. And uh, maybe undoubtedly many of them were talking about, you know, when I get leave or liberty, I, I'm going to go do this, I'm going to go do that. And probably some were saying, you know, this, this Hitler guy in Europe, man, it's uh, getting pretty bad. You hear about him in Baybow? Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. And then all of a sudden, shortly before 0800, they were attacked. And many of them that in that very moment may have been making plans did not realize that they never lived to see the light of another day. 
Unexpectedly, Japanese fighters and bombers began to attack the base shortly before 0800 on Sunday, December 7, 1941, and in a matter of minutes, the USA was forced into World War II. Who knows what a day will bring? So James is not, he, he's not saying don't plan. Okay, obviously he's not saying that because the Bible literally tells us to consider the ant, how she plans, how she prepares, how wise she is. Problem is, just be careful where you put your security, because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't don't put your trust in your plans. Put your trust in the hands of Almighty God. It's the attitude behind the action, not the action itself. Now, before we are too critical, we do the same thing that many did. We we make plans, we save and earn, all the while forgetting that we're not in control. What's sadder is that often, and I believe this is also what James is seeking to address, our plans are strictly material. I've been guilty of myself. I try to plan what I will leave for my daughters and wife when I die. However, material plans, even if they work out, they're only temporary. They're only temporary. Let's say your plans do work out. That you you get that uh that money set aside and you 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 pay that house off and um all and let's say it all works out well guess what even if it does it's only temporary because the minute you die it no longer matters I mean think about that let's say everything falls out what does the guy off the A team used to say I love it when a plan comes together let's say the plan comes together and then guess what. The next week you die of a massive stroke and it doesn't even matter. You say, doesn't, that ain't a word, I know, but it's good preaching. Uh, bad English, but good preaching. You see, even at best, our plans, if they work out, they're only temporary. So, so what sense does it then make to put so many eggs in the basket of making material plans when we should be laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven that are permanent, that are eternal. Now let's go back to the analogy of uh, us with kids, using myself. What does it matter if you leave your children a million dollars, but they never saw you darken the door of the Lord's house? What does it matter if you leave your children a house and two cars if you never showed and shared with them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Would we not be better served to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth does not corrupt and where thieves cannot break in and steal? Once again, we see that God wants us to be mindful of heavenly, eternal things rather than material riches or wealth, for everything in this world will perish. Do you know there's only one thing you can take to heaven with you, and that's other people? So shouldn't our priorities be propagating the gospel, planning for spiritual ends instead of being focused on materials. Now, I realize the, the bigger point of this couple of verses is that we don't determine our own destiny, but you can't sit here and tell me that everything I just discussed about spiritual, about prioritizing the spiritual of the material, that that didn't at least run through James's mind, that that's not an undergirding theme here. Now, once again, now, I want to be clear, James is not saying don't plan, you know, just eat, drink, and be merry. You know, that's, that's not what he's saying. 
Because again, Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, Solomon tells us, Go to the ants, you sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies, she prepares, and gathers her food in the harvest. The ant prepares for winter by gathering food while the gathering is good, and so should we. Nobody's saying you shouldn't plan and prepare, but you ought to do so acknowledging God's sovereignty, and I'll talk more about that on the end. So not only do we not determine our destiny, but James also reveals to us that our time on earth is temporary. So number one, we do not determine our destiny. Number two, our time on earth is temporary. He says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor for a little while and then vanishes away. You know, when I was a child, I used to love cold mornings. I, I would go outside and I would blow out and breathe out and you could see a mist of my breath. And that always fascinated me. Now, my whole family smoked back then. I, I know that's that's not correct anymore. We got all these anti-smoking commercials, but you just got to understand something. In the 90s, everybody smoked. Grandma smoked, grandpa smoked, aunts, uncles. I mean, you walked in your house, it was like walking in a bowling alley and they smoked in bowling alleys back then. I mean, it's just the way it was. And I would, you know, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I'd be out there like a kid and I'd be pretending to be smoking, blowing the vapor out of my mouth in the cold air. But, you know, as soon as it came out of my mouth, it disappeared just like that. Just poof, gone. This is the same with the human lifespan. The Bible tells us the average lifespan is three score and ten. That's 70 years old. And that may seem like a long time to young people. But I talk to people every day that are 70 and older, and they said, it seems like yesterday I got my driver's license. It seems like yesterday my parents took me to school. It seems like yesterday I met my spouse. But a vapor. But a vapor. Now, I haven't been here 70 years, not yet, Lord willing, but I can attest to how quickly time passes. My oldest daughter will be six in January, and I remember bringing her home from the hospital. I remember uh, my wife and her mother giving uh, my daughter Hope a bath in the sink, and I was afraid they were being too rough with my little baby. I, I remember all that. And yet here she is, walking, talking, going to school, writing in cursive, putting her shoes on by herself. Life is short, however eternity is forever. And I believe what James is saying in light of this previous statement is this, we spend too much time planning for our short lives on earth. He says, you plan, you plan. What is your life but a vapor? In other words, and again, this is solid interpretation. In other words, you're, you're spending too much time planning on the temporary when you ought to spend more time planning on the eternal. Temporary is like a vapor, whew, gone. Eternity never ends. We may remember what the, the God we serve lives outside of time and space. What is time to him? Certainly not what it is to us. Peter tells us that to God, a day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Oh, that to God... We would see that. I see it all the time in my line of work. I see young folks planning for college and career, saving money, planning their dream life. Yet to my dismay, I see so few people, young and old, 
attending to their spiritual needs, sharing the gospel, trying to take people with them to heaven, teaching their children about Christ. They're too busy laying up treasures in the bank account and not laying up treasures in heaven. And I fear they'll stand before Christ one day and he'll say, you spent so much time on things that don't really matter. All the while, your neighbor died and went to hell. You never asked him about Christ. All the while, your kids saw you as a haphazard Christian. Go to church maybe once on a good month, twice a month. Live like the devil Monday through Saturday. And now your kids are in hell because of the testimony you lived in front of them. Oh, sure, you, you, you got them a good car. You left them two or three houses. You made sure they were decent baseball players. But you absolutely failed miserably where it mattered most. Well, Pastor, are you saying we shouldn't make plans for our earthly life? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying what James is saying. Our time on earth is temporary. Therefore, plan accordingly. Luke chapter 12 tells us a story. A certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? I have no room to store my crops. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I'll store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now that sad commentary of that young rich man that Jesus gave to those people over 2,000 years ago, it could be true of the average American. Well, I, man, I, I saved up and bought a house. I, I see it all the time. You know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to sell it and buy a bigger one. Now, how stupid can you be? I mean, I see it all the time. People's kids moved out. They're 40 and 50 years old. And instead of turning around and enjoying life, well, my God, let's, let's go buy something bigger. God help us. God help us. Plan for the future, that's fine. But know this, you had better plan for eternity because it's going to be a lot longer than the years you live on earth. Let's say you do make it three score and ten. You say it's a long time, not as long as eternity, pal. Plan accordingly. Plan accordingly. What does it show for a man who builds a bank account but busts hell wide open? Jesus said it in this way. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his own soul? Vanity. Of vanity. Finally, not only do we not determine our own destiny and our time on earth is temporary, but in verses 15 through 17, we see that God holds the future. James continues, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that, but now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. 
James makes no qualms about the sovereignty of God, but reveals that the truth of the matter is that when we make plans without acknowledging or accepting the fact of God's sovereignty, though we may not intend it, that is a form of boasting. It's evil and it's sinful. And if we continue to do so, we're sinning. Now, how do we acknowledge God in our planning? You know, I've been complaining about this problem, and right now you're probably asking, well, what's the solution? Well, here it is. This is very practical. First of all, we rely on God instead of ourselves or man. How often do we get up in a tizzy about the economy or world affairs, and we think if we could just do this, or if he could do this, or if she does this, then everything will be better. Now, I'm not suggesting that we don't plan, vote, or abdicate our personal responsibility, but what I am saying is that we must admit and accept that our security is in the hands of a Savior, and not our own, nor a politician, a businessman, or anything else. So we rely on God. We say, God, I trust you. I'm relying on you. I'm relying on you. That becomes an attitude. Secondly, we plan rightly by acknowledging that all we have comes from God in the first place. The second way to plan wisely is to, is to acknowledge and be thankful and have an attitude of gratitude that everything good we have comes from God in the first place. You say, well, hey, pastor, I'm a self-made man. I work hard. Yes, sir, I do this, I do that. Well, let me ask you something. Who put the breath in your lungs? Who put the fingers on your hands? Who put the eyeballs in your brain, in your head, the brain in your head to give you the ability to work? It wasn't you. It was God Almighty. So truly and honestly speaking, you haven't done anything without the power and ability that God gave you. There's no such thing as a self-made man. A self-made man is a man that busts hell wide open because the only thing we can make is sin. And so we acknowledge every good gift comes from above. Lastly, we plan rightly when we, and this is the most important, when we put spiritual matters at the top of our priority list. That's what planning wisely is. Why? Why should I put spiritual matters first? I just gave you three reasons why. Number one, because you don't determine your own destiny in the first place. Number two, because your time on earth is temporary. And number three, because God controls the future. And for those three reasons, we should plan wisely. How do we do that? By putting spiritual things first. God bless you. Keep studying the book of James. In conclusion, life is short. We're not in control. God is, so plan wisely.